I'm Joss, and you're listening to Breaking the Curtain, the podcast where we interview our theater idols and chat all about the history behind your favorite musicals. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Hello. Hello, darlings. Welcome to season four of Breaking the Curtain. We took a small hiatus from uploading episodes. Kind of. We gave you a little sneaky bonus one. (laughs) Uh, But during our in-between seasons, we recorded new interviews, wrote more scripts than we can even count, and of course, recorded some really exciting episodes for you that will be released this season. We also took a trip to New York City, which we previously mentioned last season. So this season will include show history episodes about the shows we saw while we were... On Broadway. On Broadway. (laughs) Today, however, we are taking it back in time uh, just a little bit to the early-ish mid-2000s to talk about how one of my favorite TV series of all time brought musical theater to the mainstream media. If you didn't already guess or started listening to the episode without reading the title... We're talking about Glee and how the show birthed a whole new generation of theater babies. I'm not sure if it's a good enough reason to use the word birthed. That's very visceral. (laughs) And many of those theater babies are now theater adults with jobs and houses. And I'd love to know if you are one of those Glee theater babies, were you able to afford seeing Leah Michelle as Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl at those uh, $500 ticket prices? (laughs) Because... That's literally like living in the Glee universe. And let me tell you, we would love to be able to afford to go see it, but we cannot. So if you or someone you know can hook up your girls to go see uh, Miss Rachel Berry as Fanny Bryce, we would graciously accept that offer. So I'm going to let Chrissy tell you all about Glee because she is a walking, talking, nonstop talking Glee encyclopedia. I freaking love Glee so much. It feels like coming home whenever I put on Disney Plus and I select the Glee series option and it starts with the whole voiceover of the here's what you missed on Glee. I'm like, that is my comfiest, coziest possible situation for me. So let's get into it. Let me tell you all about Glee from a theater kid perspective. So like I said, we're going back to the early 2000s. So everyone, let's just, you know, bring in our senses here. Uh, Close your eyes if you must. Think about what it feels like. Feels like holding a Tamagotchi. Smells like a mix of uh, new Barbie hair. New Barbie hair that you just unboxed a Barbie. Mm, I remember that smell actually perfectly. (laughs) And it also uh, feels like classroom chalk. Ooh. That was, that's not a good one. I don't think anyone liked having chalk on their hands, right? But anyways, it's the early 2000s and we are beginning to see a rise in the modern movie musicals with film adaptations of Dreamgirls, Hairspray, Rent, The Phantom of the Opera, Chicago, Mamma Mia, and more. It was the era of MySpace and fan sites and forms. The trilogy release of Disney's High School Musical would only mark the beginning of what would spiral into theater fandomonium, with musical theater making its way to the forefront of mainstream media outlets and finally gaining in popularity. It took the following year after the final High School Musical film to set the world ablaze with covers of show tunes populating on YouTube and climbing the iTunes charts weekly. Soon enough, not only did the entire world know what it meant to be a theater geek, they celebrated and dubbed themselves as a new word that would sweep social media in the years to follow. Gleeks. 
So where exactly did the term Gleek come from? Well, if you clicked on this episode or you consider yourself a Gleek, then you already know it stems from the hit Fox TV series Glee, created by Ryan Murphy, Brad Falchuk, and Ian Brennan. Glee was a show that centered around a group of students in a high school Glee club set in Lima, Ohio, as they struggled with sexuality, popularity, acceptance, teen pregnancy, and bullying. The initial plotline focused on an optimistic Spanish teacher named Will Schuster, played by Matthew Morrison, who restarts the McKinley High School's Glee Club and names it New Directions. It's a place where ambitious, outcast students find strength, acceptance, and their voice. As the students find themselves, they also face the harsh realities of life. Mr. Schuster helps the kids in every way he can, and also dreams of taking the group to nationals to compete in the show choir competition. As Mr. Schuster and the Glee Club pursue their goal, they face challenges from a conniving cheerleader coach, Sue Sylvester, played by Jane Lynch, who tries to sabotage the group at every turn. She's really the hero of the show. (laughs) The original core group of students were Rachel Berry, an aspiring Broadway star played by Leah Michelle, Finn Hudson, the quarterback with a big heart played by Corey Monteith, Kurt Hummel, also an aspiring Broadway star played by Chris Colfer, Mercedes Jones, an aspiring recording artist played by Amber Riley, Quinn Fabre, head of the cheerleading squad and also secretly pregnant played by Diana Agron, Noah Puckerman, a member of the football team and a massive player, Artie Abrams, who is in a wheelchair, but that doesn't stop him from dreaming of being a dancer, played by Kevin McHale, Tina Cohen-Chang, a do-gooder with a fake stutter, played by Jenna Ushkowitz, and there's also Santana, played by Naya Rivera, and Brittany, played by Heather Morris. They're both on Sue's Cheerio squad and later become series regulars. Every episode also featured a variety of performances ranging from top 40s hits of the day, so like Beyonce's Single Ladies, all the way to classic rock, and of course, the reason we are all here listening today, show tunes. Glee first aired on Fox following an episode of American Idol on May 19, 2009, before officially premiering the first 10 episodes of the series later that year. So we're going to have to pause here just for a moment because I have to give you the lowdown on my point of view. Uh, Jocelyn did not watch Glee from the very beginning, but we will get to that in a little bit. As an avid American Idol watcher and musical theater fan, I watched the preview episode the night that it aired on Fox. As cliche as this will totally sound, it really did change my life. Just that first episode alone. I was in high school at the time. My first year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, it totally was. Yeah, it was my first year. I wasn't popular. I had maybe two really close friends. You know how it is your first year of high school. You're thrown into like a new mix of people that you haven't met before and some that you've grown up alongside for the past several years. But everybody is now trying to find that core group that you'll likely be in until, well, for the next five years, until the end of high school. It's like everyone has suddenly grown up over the summer and has a new interest. So the people that you were best friends with only a few months ago, you might not have the same bond or interest anymore. Luckily, my love for musical theater never changed. And here I am over 14 years later, co-hosting a musical theater podcast. Anyways, so I'm in my first year of high school and suddenly this girl with a massive voice is singing on my own from Les Mis on a mainstream network, just like I would do in front of my mirror in my bedroom with my karaoke machine. That feeling of, well, Rachel says it in the first episode, right? She says, 
being a part of something special makes you special. And for me, Glee would become a massive turning point in my life from that moment forward. And one thing you have to remember is that social media was like not super popular still. And it wasn't even close to the way it is now. Like, it's so easy these days to find other people who share the same interest in a TV series or film or celebrity. Back then, we were still using MySpace as our primary social media page. However, I do remember that was like the first time I sort of connected with other people over the internet who were also really loving the pilot and couldn't wait for more episodes. Now, back in school, I obviously took drama class as my extra class choice. Was that something you also had to do too? Like you had to choose just one specific extra class? Kind of, but not really. Like, so every year in high school, you had mandatory courses, but the mandatory courses got like smaller and smaller and you had more spaces to kind of take your electives. So like in first year, you had to choose one arts class. And then after that, you could kind of fill it with like whatever. So I filled it like creative writing, drama, voice, dance, like, yeah. Why not? Oh, yeah. We did not have that luxury. It was only like drama, art, or like an extra gym class. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, drama was my best class. So my drama teacher watched the pilot episode and that week she had taped it on a VHS and brought it to my class. And that's what we watched for the period. Except for me, nobody else had seen it. And I literally erupted into a ball of joy. Here's the thing. The people who take drama in high school in Canada usually aren't there because they like performing. They're there because they think it's a free pass to a good grade. And yeah, like it kind of is, but not when you have me in your class. We are putting in all the work and coming out on top, buddies. And that's when I discovered Facebook groups because someone in the class made a group and named it after something I said in my excited, oh my God, we were watching Glee Explosion. And because of that, I started getting close with people who would go on to continue watching the series. Now, obviously, I wasn't the only one who was completely captivated by the pilot because the Glee cast began doing Hot Topic tours to meet tons of fans and to continue to keep audiences intrigued since we had to wait four months for the first half of season one to continue. And when it launched in September at full force, the series began to climb the charts on both iTunes with hit singles from each episode and also the number of viewers tuning in each week to follow along. During the first half of season one, Glee, of course, had reoccurring Broadway alumni Matthew Morrison and Leah Michelle, but we'd begin to see the beginning of the Broadway guest stars, starting with the queen herself, Kristen Chenoweth. By the time the show had hit its mid-season break, Glee had put its own spin on popular show tunes such as On My Own, Defying Gravity, which had an entire episode dedicated to hitting the final note, Hair, Maybe This Time, and I Am Telling You, brilliantly performed by Amber Riley, who would later go on to star in Dreamgirls on the West End, and the song that would become a staple when it came to introducing show tunes to a new generation, Don't Rain on My Parade. <laughs> Following the show's winter break, Glee returned with their second half of season one, and this time we were treated to new characters portrayed by more Broadway favorites. Leah Michelle's character Rachel Berry began to date Jonathan Groff's character Jesse St. James, who was a member of the opposing team Vocal Adrenaline, coached by the one and only Adina Menzel who starred as Shelby Corcoran, Rachel's birth mother. 
And like this was so massive. I remember it was all over like Broadway.com and Playbill.com back in the day because hello, I mean, Queen Adina was also going to be on this hit singing show. And viewers tuned the hell in for this because the returning episode reached over 13 million viewers, whereas the episode before the mid-season break only reached just over like 8 million. So like we start to see here that people are beginning to follow along the storylines being created and those storylines somewhat remain throughout the following seasons of Glee. So like the Finchel drama and... Rachel and Jesse reuniting on and off again throughout the seasons and just stuff like that. Following the completion of the season, the Glee cast set out on a 13-date tour in North America, selling out all 13 performances before returning to set for the highly anticipated season two. Season two of Glee first aired in September 2010, and fans still claim that this is the best season of the show, and that definitely reflected in the average viewers per episode. This would become the height of the Glee phenomenon. Something amazing that began happening around the world was the start of Glee clubs and theater productions. While a lot of the funding came from teachers themselves, like we were seeing on television with Mr. Shu. There was now a major interest in the performing arts in schools, primarily in America. On the fifth episode of season two, Glee dedicated an entire episode to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, in which Mr. Shu decides the Glee Club will perform the stage version of the musical as a fundraiser. <laughs> Did you ever notice that like nobody even auditions for a role? They're just like, yep, sign me the hell up for Janet Wise. Uh, why can't every audition be like that? My calling dibs game is so strong. My resume would be stacked. I'm more focused on the fact he chose Rocky Horror for a high school musical. I mean, fair. Yeah, totally. <laughs> there is a whole plot line surrounding that, though. So, like, go watch it. But, yeah, I agree. Jokes aside, though, like, what's so great is so many people discovered Rocky Horror through this episode of Glee. And even the people who were super familiar with it loved seeing a tribute episode after all these years. So I think that's really cool. So then two days following the premiere of the episode, Matthew Morrison and Leah Michelle starred in a live Rocky Horror tribute in Los Angeles. Because what better way of promoting the episode than to have two of the show's leads perform the show live? I think that is so sick. Their marketing was amazing. I'll mm -hmm. give them that. Like, yeah, that shit was everywhere. It was. Um, you know, Glee has had some amazing celebrity guest stars, which mm. I'm sure we'll get into as we go through this. But the... Rocky Horror Glee show that hurt um, <laughs> had some of the best like obviously meat and berry but John Stamos oh, as the yes. dentist singing Hot Patootie mm. was genuinely hot pun intended but also it's truth that's one of the best Glee covers in my opinion I thought that was killer although I was a little sad he did the lower key but it was still beautiful because he's perfect <laughs> In the final episode of season two, the Glee kids have finally made it to New York City, which is oddly one of the weaker episodes, in my opinion. There's also this like really weird moment where Rachel purchases tickets to Cats, but apparently she doesn't realize the show has been closed for years at that point and is reminded of that by Quinn, who very clearly has no knowledge of Broadway, or maybe she does, seeing as she knows how long Cats has been closed on Broadway for. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I have a feeling Quinn did her research before the trip just so she'd be ready to one-up Rachel. 
And you know what? Love her for it. Love her for that. I am sure you are correct. I'm sure that's exactly what she did. And who can blame her? I would have done the same thing. (laughs) So there's this really beautiful moment in this episode where Rachel and Kurt break into the Gershwin and sing on stage, which isn't that every theater kid's dream? To break into the Gershwin? No. Yes. I mean, no, but like, yeah, to sing on stage at the Gershwin. (laughs) Okay, now this brings us back full circle to Glee premiering after American Idol. In June of 2011, Oxygen began a talent search for a guest spot on Glee. The search was called the Glee Project, and it gave fans an opportunity. Why are you laughing? Because I know what comes next. (laughs) Well, okay. So the Glee Project gave fans an opportunity to literally put themselves into the show. Um, Jocelyn is laughing at me because I told her just a few weeks ago that I actually did submit a video for the Glee Project <laughs> through MySpace because I believe it was MySpace they were accepting uh, video submissions through or something like that. <laughs> I was saying over the rainbow. I, I want to know if anyone out there remembers um, submitting for the Glee Project. I think they sent us like some links to some of the songs like the instrumental tracks from songs that they performed on the show, because why would I sing Over the Rainbow, but like the Mr. Shoe version? Uh, if you remember that being a thing, please the Mr. Shoe version? You know the ukulele one? That's like, that was the original version before Judy Garland, I believe. No? Yeah? No? I'm like 90% sure. No? It was the song before she did it. What? I feel like I remember this. Anyway, so you sang Over the Rainbow. and I, the, I sang Over the Rainbow. The audition, the audition video is now streaming on our Patreon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> please. Like, I love this so much. And I'm like, I'm making fun of you, but I'm actually not. Because I love that you did it. But, like, I'm more laughing because you had to, like, submit via MySpace. <laughs> I'm positive that's what it was. I think you could submit via MySpace. There was a way. Um, But MySpace, I'm pretty sure they like deleted all of their accounts that haven't been active in the past like 10 years, a few years ago. So it's gone. But I wish I had it (laughs) because that would be a great treat for everyone. Not me, but for you. The competition was fairly similar to the process we had seen on the search for the next Elle Woods. But the contestants would like be given a word and they'd have to base a music video performance around that emotion or strength. (laughs) Something like that. I'm pretty sure. I haven't watched it in years, but I think that's what they did. This is actually wild. I never knew any of this. I knew there was a show, but I never knew the details. This is. Yeah, yeah. They'd be given like a word. I'm pretty sure like vulnerability. I said that really weird. I'm sorry. Vulnerability. <laughs> vulnerability. You said it like, um, you know, the movement teacher who's powered by coffee and crystals. You vulnerability. <laughs> but yeah, they'd be like given a word like vulnerability and they'd have to showcase that word somehow uh, through their acting in these like little short music videos they would film to like a song like Under Pressure, right? And they'd make vulnerability the showcase of that. And there would be actors from Glee who would come and they would judge, not judge them, but like they'd watch all of them perform. And then they would pick a favorite and give them like a one-on-one coaching session. So that was cool. <laughs> so Damien McGinty, who played Rory, and Samuel Larson, who played Joe, were both winners of the first season 
each winning a seven-episode arc. And the runners-up were Lindsay Pierce, who played Harmony, and Alex Newell, who played Unique. And they were given the prizes of a two-episode arc on Glee. However, Alex Newell became a regular by, like, season four. Uh, Alex really won. (laughs) So that was great. As we already know, the cast were working nonstop on top of filming. They were learning songs, recording, learning choreo, etc. This isn't really the norm in Hollywood. Typically, you would film a season of a show and get a little break before recording the next season. The cast of Glee, because this show is a musical, set out on yet another summer tour. This time, there was 31 shows in 21 cities with a 3D film released at the end of the run. And the 3D film also featured uh, the lives of a few teenagers who were impacted by the characters and storylines, which was a really nice way to show the fans who were tuning in weekly. I thought that was a really, really cool thing they did. By the start of season three, musical theater was all the rage and the cast were making huge names for themselves. Although the show continued to run with interesting storylines, the viewer numbers were on a steady decline. The first few episodes of the season centered around McKinley High auditioning and presenting a production of West Side Story, which somehow intertwined with two main couples sleeping together for the first time. I guess that Stephen Sondheim guy really puts people in the mood. Yep, my sex playlist is all Stephen Sondheim. Isn't G-Officer Crumkey on everyone's? (laughs) So the season concluded with Rachel getting on a train and moving to New York City to pursue her Broadway dreams at the fictional school Niata. And that's where the following season picks up. We get to see Rachel come to terms with not being seen as the big fish in a little pond anymore when faced with working alongside Broadway trained instructors and students who are equally as talented. I actually really enjoyed this storyline. I didn't think it was going to go in that direction at all. And I'm happy that it did. We got to see a different side of Rachel and... um Yeah, I liked that. Yeah, like you're always surrounded by talent. I love that storyline, too, because like she needed she needed a come to earth moment. And uh, Kate Hudson just really gave it to her. It was great. Mm -hmm. I love Kate Hudson. On the same side, it kind of showed how sometimes teachers can be really, really toxic. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Like Rachel was very talented. And a lot of the time she was right. And a lot of the time she was out of line. Um, so yeah, I thought it was, it was a cool mix to see that. It was unrealistic though, because you know, and if you've ever had a dance teacher who carries a stick or a cane like that, we would have seen people getting hit with it. Sure. (laughs) Unrealistic. (laughs) Meanwhile, back in Ohio, we're introduced to new students at McKinley High School. Much like the previous season, the first few episodes center around auditioning and presenting a production of Grease, which is actually one of the only times we get to hear the new group of Glee Club students sing show tunes. Um, I assume the writers wanted to keep the new divide of worlds somewhat separated. And I mean, it was a choice for sure, considering the viewers drop down even further as each episode continued on. You know, Chrissy, why do you think, as a Gleek, why do you think the viewership changed at that time? Mm, Yeah, I think they hit the mix so perfectly with the original Glee kids and had thrown every possible storyline into those first three seasons (laughs) that there was really like nothing else they could really do anymore. Yeah. Uh, The new group were very talented and had some interesting storylines. 
Uh, but if you think back to the energy of the original characters, there was just none of that happening in this group. And they tried to like recreate the magic of the original characters. So like uh, Kitty and I forget there was another Cheerio uh, girl there who was like Santana. But like Kitty was like a mix of like Santana and Quinn and all of them really. It was yeah, they tried and. The new characters are still really great. I enjoy them. I mean, I agree with what you, you said, know. though. Those first three seasons were just so good and so jam-packed yeah. with, like, they kind of exhausted all their plot lines mm-hmm. by the time season three ended. And they were kind of like, oh, now what? Yeah. I mean, really, what can you do? You know, you had cheating. You had a teen pregnancy. You had a fake pregnancy. Fake pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> the fake pregnancy. I forgot about that. I always forget about that. <laughs> You also had the teen marriage between Finn and Rachel. You had divorce. You had... They did everything. Everything, exactly. (laughs) There was nothing else they could really, like, throw into season four. I mean, they did try. There was that um, really dark and sad and scary school shooting episode, um, which breaks my heart every time I watch it. So during season four, Funny Girl just happens to be revived as Rachel Berry moves to the Big Apple. And we follow her audition process in which she auditions for the role of Fanny Bryce by singing Don't Stop Believin', bringing us back to the roots of the show. It's a vibe for sure. (laughs) By the end of the season, we're actually left waiting to find out if she booked the role or not because everyone loves a cliffhanger. And this is where I think Glee should have ended its run because this series that once held so much happiness and light took a tragic turn when Corey Monteith suddenly passed away on July 13th, 2013. You know, I have never had a celebrity death that has affected me as much as Corey's. And I've heard so many people say that too. Uh, Still, even with the 10-year anniversary approaching in a few months, I like seriously want to break down and cry whenever I talk about him. Um, he was the heart of that show and connected so many storylines and he was just the nicest person online and in interviews and I personally always felt so proud knowing he was a Canadian too like us (laughs) and I think because so many of us really felt connected to this show and these characters it felt like losing someone we knew personally so the series would only be pushed back by three weeks before filming season five which included a tribute episode for Corey Monteith's character, Finn. We learn that Rachel ultimately books the role of Fanny Bryce, and from there, the series follows her through her opening night on Broadway. Ultimately, Rachel leaves the production to star in a television series about her life. It was kind of like Friends a bit. Um, And we find out in season six that the show is a massive flop. (laughs) Kind of like season six of Glee. Uh, I (laughs) remember they cut down to, I think, 10 or like only 10 or 11 episodes that season instead of the full 22. Because like I said, they just exhausted all of their possible storylines and you could feel that the heart wasn't there anymore. Yeah, especially with like, they kind of like threw away any character development that Rachel had. They threw it away when they had her leave Funny Girl. So I was kind of like, yeah, you gave up. And of course, you know, Ryan Murphy talks about this a lot. He also didn't want to continue Glee after Corey passed away. I mean, really, he was like I said, he was the heart of the show and he had a major plot line with 
Leah's character, Rachel, and Ryan has discussed that he always knew the ending of Glee would be Rachel going back to McKinley and Finn would be a teacher there. Um, And now they had to change all of that and figure out a new ending for, I guess, how all of the other characters, their lives intertwined with that final episode. So the series ends up ending with Kurt and Blaine married, Santana and Brittany married, and Rachel has won a Tony Award and she is now married to Jonathan Groff's character, Jesse St. James. It's so sad that she stole your life, Chrissy. I know. It's really really hard for me to talk about. My life was written and taken from me. So now that we've taken you through the events during the seasons, we're going to chat a little bit about the comparison between Glee versus Smash versus Rise and the impact it had on this generation of theater kids. Are you ready for this? I don't know if I am. I don't know. I think nobody is going to agree with me, but I feel like this is the smartest calculated way that I can put all of this. Here's what Glee did that made the show far more successful than Smash and Rise. If you look at camera stills of all three shows, you'll notice both Smash and Rise use a gray dark camera filter opposed to Glee, which was colorful and vibrant. Not only was it welcoming when channel surfing and landing upon it for the very first time, but you think of the world of Broadway and musical theater when you think loud, bold, colorful. Glee was able to capture that. While Smash really did capture a more realistic approach to the real world of auditioning, in a way, it was still pretty, you know, out there as well. I mean, it's still, it's, it's still <laughs> dramatized for television. It's still dramatized uh, and being in a Broadway show and all that. And the short-lived rise catered to being a cross between a more grounded world of Smash featuring high school students. Glee was still more appealing to the general audience because it ultimately was more relatable to their target audience, the underdogs. And let's be real, as theater kids watching comparison videos of a multitude of performers as Alphabus singing the final note in Defying Gravity on a Friday (laughs) night... We were all the underdogs of our school groups. That is us. You know, my favorite actually was the Fiero Riff compilation. The Fiero Riff (laughs) in No Good Deed compilation. Fiero, Fiero. That is fair. Yeah, that one was my favorite. But yeah, you know, I never considered myself a Gleek, but um, I did eat my lunch alone in the choir room most days. So um, I think I have an honorary badge there. You know, I'd also say, although this comparison is about Glee, Smash, and Rise, Pitch Perfect, which was released over two years following the first season of Glee, uh, it was probably the closest to Glee in terms of like concept, style, and flair. Um, they did that really well. Yeah, and I think the things that like Pitch Perfect kind of had like the eight, the similar age group to like where people who sure. loved Glee in high school would be at in their lives, kind of thing. Um, and also like the use of, you know, modern and top 40s kind of music because Smash was very show tuney and had like a lot of original music, which I love. When we do a Smash episode, I'm never going to shut the fuck up. I think what makes things like Glee and obviously Pitch Perfect palatable is because it's songs that people know, songs that people hear on the radio. It's easier to get their attention with that and then sprinkle in the show tunes here and there Mm -hmm. um 
it's easier to do that than to just kind of smack somebody in the face and be like, here's original music. Here's another Broadway song. Because not everyone who's watching TV at 8 o'clock at night is going to be into that. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I am. But, you know, I'm not everyone. I know. Of course, we can't <laughs> talk about the universal impact of Glee without mentioning how much good it did for the LGBTQIA2 plus community. So through our TV screens, we watched as Kurt came to terms with his sexuality in small town Ohio. And that was just one of those plot lines that Glee featured. I think that Glee was kind of huge and momentous for showcasing same-sex relationships through Kurt and Blaine, Santana and Brittany, as well as showcasing transgender characters like Unique and Coach Beast. You know, I remember this was one of the few shows accessible to me at the time that featured these kinds of characters and their experiences while they were the age I was at. And, you know, I'm sure I'm not the only one who learned a lot by watching the show in that aspect. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. It's still that show that I really hold close to my heart and I see how many of my friends who watched Glee back in the day and were able to just be proud of who they are because they were watching it through a character on TV. And I think that is so important and and really special too that they got to experience that. And I hope that television continues to do that. I think, yeah, in, in the years following Glee that thankfully... TV shows were like, hey, you know what? Yeah, let's put in characters who aren't straight. We just need more of that in mainstream television, especially in television that isn't just streaming services. You know what I mean? So this all brings us back to how Glee revolutionized the modern theater generation. As we already know as theater fans, Broadway and the West End are sort of like the Disney Club 33 of the musical theater world in the eyes of aspiring theater artists and fans everywhere. However, Glee opened up a world that was accessible to gaining a newfound interest in the theatrical universe. It also brought forth a new way of expressing ourselves through the art form. Mm -hmm. Musical theater was no longer just for teens who were able to attend a school with high budget productions (laughs) or those who could afford to attend French Woods every summer. It gave way to the idea that you can create a stage for yourself anywhere, in your bedroom, uploading a song cover to YouTube, in your own community. Glee also gave way to the jukebox musical mentality that you could take a song you enjoy on the radio and add a new flair, reinventing the classics to suit your vocal style. And for a long while, the rules created by thespians no longer applied because Glee taught people that it doesn't matter how overdone a song is, if you really enjoy singing it, Go for it. Defying Gravity really hit its universal popularity through the show and became one of the top songs that children, teens, and young adults would bring in for local auditions. If you can sing Defying Gravity and own it, I want to hear it. Period. Even if you can't own it, Mm. if you just enjoy (laughs) singing it, if you just love that song and it brings you joy, sing it. Sing it for a talent show sing it for a local audition sing it on TikTok, babies because sing it on tiktok exactly in a 2010 article with the new york times cindy samuelson the owner of stage door manor said that the application numbers at the camp were the highest they have ever been no doubt bolstered by the fact that leah michelle is the latest graduate to hit it big 
The significant changes are in the demographics, with campers now coming from 44 of the 50 United States. The number of boys applying were in greater numbers to the point where the camp was compelled to expand the boys' sleeping area by 20 beds. Mickey Rapkin noted at the time of the camp's founding in 1975, quote, Kids went there to be their real selves that they couldn't be at home. The big difference today is stage door kids are now themselves year-round, end quote. With glee clubs and theater programs being set up in high schools around the world, Broadway, touring, and West End productions also found themselves boosted in sales in the year following Glee's initial release. So, Chrissy, this is like a so <laughs> this is like a really loaded question. Oh, okay. <laughs> but do you have a favorite episode or song from Glee? Um, I'll start with songs. Okay. okay. I'm going to take it back to Glee season one and say Faithfully, the Journey song sung by Rachel and Finn is absolutely gorgeous. And I've always loved that moment before they walk out where he tells her he loves her for the first time with that uh, adorable half smile thing Corey always did. I am also a huge fan of the borderline slash open your heart mashup. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I love that one. (laughs) We've Got Tonight is also a great one. I think think it's Corey's final song on the show or at least final duet with Leah and it's just it's beautiful I do realize I'm saying all Finn and Rachel's <laughs> duets and I I totally did not mean to do that um <laughs> I love when Quinn Santana and Brittany sing uh come see about me when Mercedes sings ain't no way freaking incredible uh Rachel and Quinn singing I feel pretty slash unpretty in season two was probably the best written mashup on the show and I'll also add uh the first time ever I saw your face oh and Finn singing you're having my baby (laughs) and his like cool slowed down version of girls just want to have fun is so pretty and I really like it sung by a guy like I thought that was interesting oh and in my show notes here it says to include oh my fuck and red solo cup. <laughs> <laughs> For once, you dropped the f bomb, not me. I mean, I already did, but my favorite episodes are hard to narrow down. But I did, I did it. Um, I love Hello from season one, Laryngitis, I Do, Ballad, Goodbye, and Dreams Come True. How about you, buddy? <laughs> As you know, this was a very hard question for me, and I had to ask you what episodes were my favorite because I don't know their names. I'm not a Glee encyclopedia. (laughs) Um, But the first one I ever saw was the Justin Bieber experience, and it's still one of my favorites because I love a boy band moment. Um, I also really, really loved Born This Way because to me, that was what kept me watching Glee while it was on. Um, You know, the theme of being yourself and loving even the weird and ugly parts of you. Like, that's what it's about, man. Um, I also really love the Fleetwood Mac episode. That was a really cool way to introduce those songs to a new generation. Um, And another favorite moment, because the whole episode eh, could take a relief, but the moment was Kurt's dad dancing to single ladies in the graduation episode. Bert Hummel is the best character, and I will die on that hill. I love Bert, and I love Carol. I think they're two of the best written parents on TV. I really like them a lot. (laughs) Um, But, you know, as somebody who's watched the show, I've watched it all a couple times, the thing that I love most about it is the music. You know, parts of the storyline just, Mm. you know, I could take or leave. 
but the music, they had some bangers. But the mashups were always my favorite when they were good and even more so when they were bad. <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with Let's Have a Kiki Turkey Lurkey Time. I love it so much and I also hate it so much. And that's just great. That's that's like my kind of best ultimate thing. Um, but here are a few. I picked my top three mashups that I like really loved. So hand in my pocket and I feel the earth move because Carol and Alana's. Yes. Um, thriller and heads will roll. It's always on my Halloween playlist. And <laughs> hungry like the wolf Rio because I love Matt Bomer. And I really love Duran Duran. Also, I think worth my honorable mentions. These aren't mashups, though. Sue got to sing some killer songs like Physical and Vogue. Those were freaking hilarious. Smooth <laughs> Criminal was great with the two cellos. Um, that's actually what they're called, two cellos. They're, they're um, two brothers who play the cello, and they do covers, and I love them. So, like, Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. My favorite um, version of Moon River is actually by the two cellos. So look them up. I'm Neat. a stan. Um, but I think top of the list has to be Mr. Shu and Gwyneth Paltrow singing Prince's Kiss as a tango. Ah, that was way too steamy for television. It was ah, so hot. Every time I hear the original song, I think of that. And I'm like, this is one of the few places where I like the cover more than the original because that was just, whew. I need, I need to go take a drink of water now. Do you have, uh, is there a song that you would consider like the worst Glee cover? Um, like off the top of your head. Off you don't the have to research top it. Top of my head? Um, yeah. You know, I feel like everybody wants to say run, Joey, run, but I think that was one of my favorites. It was funny as hell. Oh, one of mine too, for sure. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't think I have a least favorite. I just have a I have very few select favorites. I'll tell you what's probably on everyone's mind. Um, <laughs> what does the fox say? Oh my god, I forgot they did it because it was yeah, so no, stupid same. that they did it. Yeah, they did it with puppets, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, no, the worst one. The worst one. We were talking about it earlier. Um, no, I know. Can I say <gasps> it? Yeah. So, no, wait. We talked about it earlier? Yeah. Okay, it's not the same for me, so go. But we're talking about uh, the mashup of Don't Stand So Close to Me and Young Girl. Oh, And while the two tunes together sound really great, and obviously Matthew Morrison could sing the alphabet, and it would be awesome. In context of the show, weird, 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 gross. I deserve compensation. In the real world, that would have gotten the man arrested. Sure. Sure. A lot of things would have. Let's be real here. Someone needs to be arrested for what happened on that show. I would say my least favorite or what I consider the worst Glee cover is maybe Ben, the Michael Jackson song, when uh, Kurt, Rachel, and Finn are singing it to Blaine when he got rock salt from the slushy in his eye and he's in bed recovering. What a weird... Weird cover. It's so bad. I forgot about that one too. Oh my god! Speaking of bedside songs, when Rachel decided to sing "Papa, Can You Hear Me" over yeah, Kurt's no, father's bedside, yeah, that was really weird. I I literally like. Oh my god! 
thank God for fast forward. I'm like, what the hell, girl? It's not even your dad. Like, Yeah, no, it's had some questionable things for sure. This leads us perfectly into <laughs> <laughs> the end of our episode. So although Glee nowadays is viewed as a dorky topic of conversation and a lot of the content and script did not age well over the years, there's no denying that it once was a very safe place for theater kids to tune in weekly on Fox. And I want to leave you all with my favorite Glee quote spoken by one Sue Sylvester. My queen. The queen. So the quote is, It takes a lot of bravery to look around and see the world not as it is, but as it should be. A world where the quarterback becomes best friends with the gay kid, and the girl with the big nose ends up on Broadway. Finding the courage to open up your heart and sing about it. That's what Glee Club is, and for the longest time I thought that was silly. And now I think it's just about the bravest thing that anyone could do. Why am I getting emotional over this? I don't (laughs) care. I have to say, although we tried to keep the timeline of this episode uh, targeted towards the musical theater aspects of Glee and what happened during the filming of Glee, uh, we can't not acknowledge the passing of Naya Rivera, Mm -hmm. who made a massive impact on fans around the world. And uh, her character, Santana, was a safe one for a lot of people. So. We thank you, Naya and Corey. And yeah, I love Glee. I know you do, buddy. I'm glad we did this episode for you. Me too. We had a Glee script in the works for a very long time. And then (laughs) I was like, you know what? Let's not do a history about Glee. Let's do how it really did shape this generation of theater kids. And I'm glad we've done that because now it seems we are back in Glee universe. (laughs) (laughs) Rachel Berry herself uh, playing Fanny Bryce in a Broadway revival, which, you know, puts my head in a loop. This is crazy because it literally we went to the stage door. If you guys aren't following us on TikTok, there's a video I took of Chrissy standing outside the funny girl stage door. (laughs) And my eyes are like terrified and excited. She's like, Jocelyn, I'm not going to be able, you, you got to say something to her. And I was like, oh, I could not speak. I was like, oh, my God, it's Rachel Berry. Like, I literally went into the mode of like, we are living in my favorite television series, because how many times does that actually happen where some like a plot line on a show becomes real? You know what I mean? Like, And it's so specific, too, right? It is very specific. But, you know, up down the road, there's... um the some like it hot musical with the song literally from smash in it so like we are living in the glee and smash universes and i'm kind of okay <laughs> with a it weird time <laughs> i'm okay with it but no that that was that was fun and while we know i'm a hater at my core i actually had a lot of fun kind of going down you know some of my glee memory lane and and listening I'm sorry, to some but of the there tunes. is no bigger haters of Glee than Glee fans themselves. So, <laughs> welcome to the club, bestie. I'm oh, so no. happy you enjoyed your time in this episode with me. I enjoyed Maybe my time in the choir room. Become... What? I said I enjoyed my time in the choir room. Oh, that's sweet. Barf. You're becoming a Mr. Shoe. I've always been a Mr. Shoe. I have no I backbone and questionable taste in clothing. I asked you? Which version of uh, leaving on a jet plane you prefer? And I was like, 
<laughs> is your favorite version of leaving on a jet plane by the Carpenters or Peter, Paul, and Mary? And you were like, <laughs> Mr. Shoe. Well, I didn't realize that Peter, Paul, and Mary were a group. I thought you were like listing different people. So I was like, um, Will Schuster. <laughs> and that's when I knew we would be best friends. Oh, buddy. I gotta go vomit now. <laughs> Excuse me, please. I can't me, take please. it. I just can't. As always, I'm Chrissy, and thank you for listening to our Glee episode. I'm very happy we finally did one. I'm Joss, and together we are breaking, breaking the, the curtain. curtain. We want to extend a massive thank you to everyone for coming back and joining us for our season four premiere. We have a very exciting season ahead of us, and I'm sure you're all going to enjoy it as much as we've been enjoying writing these scripts and doing these really cool interviews. What I think is really great about season four, and I mean, I don't want to toot our own horn too much, but you know, there is something for everyone. If you're a theater kid, one of these episodes somewhere will resonate with you. Yeah. Um, I and mean, look, we just, just did an episode about Glee. It's not our niche, Glee. but it totally is at the same time. It's, it's our niche adjacent. It's yeah. our niche adjacent. Um, I can't say that. <laughs> You should, Jason. Um, but, you know, we are just so grateful for all of your love and support. I can't believe we're on season four. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Um, and we hit 26,000 downloads over our hiatus. Nuts. Like, y'all, no one is working as hard as you guys are. We're not even working as hard as you guys are. Thank you so, so, so much. Thank you so much. And we will see you in the next episode. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye.